0: This week on episode 54 of the US Sports Podcast, with me, Max Whittle, Super Bowl champion Jay Ajayi of the Philadelphia Eagles, joins me for an early spring conversation. I sat down with Jay to find out something different about a man who, not surprising given he lived in London for the first seven years of his life, is often asked solely about his British heritage, but here, plenty on his Nigerian roots, which stretch from jollof rice to his mother's obsession with the Eagles when the Ajais moved to North Dallas, ironically, nearly 20 years ago. If you like Ranch, you'll like this podcast. All will be revealed. I'm in New York at the moment. Stay tuned on GimmeSport.com and Gimme Sports' Facebook page. I'm working on several editorial and video projects. Can't reveal too much about them, but one of them I can over the next few days. Jason Terry, 40-year-old. Jason Terry, who's looking to play his 20th NBA season next year, will be my focus. That and plenty more coming up video-wise. Fish and chips with Asmir Begovic, the Bournemouth goalkeeper. I headed down to the Bournemouth beach for that. A three-part series with Leicester City left back. And Premier League champion Christian Fuchs is coming up too. But here we go. Jay Ajay, here's our conversation. Super Bowl winner, jay Joy, Thank you for joining us. Uh, we just talked about the ring. You haven't got it yet? No. Nope. When's it coming? <laughs> the ring hopefully
1: is coming soon. No, I can't wait to see it. I know it's going to be um <laughs> a, lot, a lot of bling bling on it. So I'm I'm Where is it going to live? Uh I I think we get the option to get two. Mm-hmm. Like you get one that's like the real the ring and then another one that's like a replica. So I'll get the two. I'll keep the the regular one, you know, somewhere and then I'll Maybe wear the replica every now and then when I'm feeling like a champ. Could you be one of those guys that wears it everywhere. No, no I'll, I'll just wear it to, you know, to the events, the big events. <laughs> and then you know when I walk in and they shake my hand, you know, they know they're shaking a the Super Bowl champion's hand. So <laughs> it'll be cool.
0: Going back to the Super Bowl quickly, Frank Reich, former offensive coordinator now, he's in Indianapolis, he said of Doug Peterson, he's got a big set of stones. <laughs> How did he show that off in the Super Bowl?
1: Um, I think uh, basically we kept our foot on the gas, stayed aggressive, um, and uh, from Coach Pete, you know, um, he he didn't care what, what the score was or what anybody would think, and he just called his game the way he wanted to. Um, obviously, we, we, we did some different things out there. We ran Philly Special on a fourth down. Um, we went for it on a couple of fourth downs in the Super Bowl. And that's something that, you know, he had kind of been doing all year. He was an aggressive guy. and. Even in the biggest game, he didn't change, and uh, you know that's that's what helped us win the game.
0: You mentioned Philly Special. Is it true you guys were practicing it in the hotel on the Friday before the game, in the Mall of America Hotel, behind away from prying eyes?
1: Yeah, so our hotel was connected to uh, Mall of America. Um, obviously, we had a walkthrough at the, the stadium, but we didn't uh, run it there, because obviously you never know who's watching. Mm. So we, we, we did it one time. Um, the, the week of the game, and then uh, after that, it was game time decision,
0: and then they executed it. Do you remember what <coughs> you were feeling when, you, as you watched that play unfold, and how close were you to the line?
1: Yeah. So what's crazy is um, the play that play. It was a fourth down play. I was in the game, and then all of a sudden we called a timeout. Mm. Then I was like, "Oh, we calling the Philly special," <laughs> and then I was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> you know, like hopefully. You know, we. I mean, at that, at, I'm on that point. It's like we got to get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, and no, no. Hopefully, it is what it is. We got to score. So, um, they called it. Obviously, um, it was Corey Clement. He was mm-hmm. the running back in there for that play. So it was just we could kind of get to just see poetry, emotion. You've seen it so many times in practice. Like we, we practiced it before, but I mean, this is the game, and it was just they did it everything to a T. The the drama, all of it. They were They had no clue. <laughs> And then Foles, Nick, you know, obviously, mm. boom, you know what I'm saying, easy. So
0: What I love about the story is Trey Burton, who threw the touchdown, he hadn't, thrown a, single t- he hadn't s- thrown a single pass in his four seasons in the NFL, but he was a pitcher in high school and he was recruited as a dual-threat quarterback. So he had it in his locker, right. but he hadn't thrown a pass. Was he, was he confident going into that game? Did he want to run that play that came up? Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing with Trey was, in practice, we were telling him not to throw it too hard. Right.
1: Because he was trying to, like, show off, you know, obviously he's got... he Because he has a good arm, like, he's pleased he was recruited or whatever. So, I mean, the, we had run in, like, a few times in practice, and he kind of threw it a little too hard at Nick, you know what I'm saying? He's still a quarterback, <laughs> like, you know, just, just make it real easy for him, you know what I'm saying? And that was kind of the thing. We were just trying to keep Trey to just... You know, don't 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 show too much because he he's got, got a good arm and um, you know obviously in the Super Bowl he just he was ready he was ready for that play Nick was ready everyone was ready and when we called it I mean he just made it look made it look easy his beautiful pass easy catch touchdown.
0: Do you think this statement is true or false? The last time Nick Foles was thrown a touchdown, he was in his first year of Arizona State. He caught the ball, but they went for a loss of nine yards. True or false? false it's true so Foles was throwing a ball in college went back for nine yards i don't really know how that works because you have to throw it for oh it was probably but like <laughs> a du- it was
1: probably like a double pass
0: yeah and they just sacked him when they threw him the ball and he must have been
1: excited then <laughs> yeah i don't know if you get excited for a loss of nine yards a lot more excited for a super bowl touchdown though for sure true
0: do you have any advice for tom brady should he be throwing a pass again in his career I'm on the Eagles. I hope they
1: throw them as many passes as, <laughs> as they want. And if it ends up like that, hey, you can throw Tom as many passes as they need to. Because that was amazing for that to have happened like it happened. <laughs> that was so funny, man. And Just then millimeters. For, and then for us to go right back and have our QB do, do it, mm. man, it was great. You know, it was like bragging rights for us.
0: So going back a little bit, is it true as your family grew up in the Dallas area that your mum was a big Eagles fan?
1: Yeah, so growing up in Texas, North Dallas, um, when I was first, we were all learning about the sport and everything. We were a Cowboys family Mm. at one point, which is crazy to say. (laughs) Um, But we were, and the lone person in my family that didn't like the Cowboys was my mom. And she loved the Eagles because of Donovan McNabb. Oh. And every night, like, the Eagles or the Cowboys would play. It would be, like, fun in our house. Cause like my mom and dad they'd always like argue and it was like I would sometimes be on my mom's side or sometimes I like um, be arguing with her sometimes too so <laughs> it was always it was always fun you know household at, in Texas growing up with them too arguing about the games.
0: I presume you're now her favorite eagle. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. And all my family's are eagles fans,
1: so ain't no cowboys. Loyalties in my in in, uh, in our house.
0: What did she tell you then? Watching you for the first time in an Eagles uniform—that must have been pretty pretty special for her.
1: Yeah, I mean it was just—I mean once, uh, obviously I got traded to the Eagles. It was um, it was exciting because that was like her first team that she ever knew about in, in the sport. So mm. it was kind of cool. I mean how things work out. Like the irony of everything to like be on the Eagles now and just be able to, the biggest thing was the fact that because I'm on the Eagles now I get to go back to Dallas every year and play in uh, Dallas because the Cowboys are in the same division mm-hmm. so I basically get to go and play in front of my, my family every year in Texas so that was like a huge like, thing for my family, they were so excited um, about that so that was really a, a cool thing that came out of the whole trade.
0: How important is Christian Okoye to your career?
1: Um, Christian Okoye. I wouldn't say he's important to my career, but he's definitely someone that um, you know, I knew of. You know, I mean, I didn't really know too much. I won't lie, I didn't know too much about Christian Okoye. Mm. Um, I mean, I had heard a few things about him, such as the fact like he was the Nigerian nightmare. <laughs> um, you know, so that was kind of like a cool thing for me, just hearing that there was a Nigerian running back that was. Basically terrorizing people out there, and they were saying, basically he was like this big guy that um, no one could bring down, and he just ran hard. And so that was kind of like cool for me to just understand that you know there's different um, you know nationalities out here of, of uh, athletes that can bowl. You know what I'm saying? And for, to be Nigerian as well, um, that was kind of like a cool little uh, thing for me to see a role model like that that, that played well.
0: And quite rightly, the NFL UK, they take pride in the fact that you're British, but how connected are you with your Nigerian roots? Because I don't think we hear a lot about that.
1: No, yeah, absolutely. Um, That's uh, what I grew up on, you know. Um, I'm British, obviously, by birth, and this is where I lived, but um, I grew up on Nigerian values, you know. My parents, both Nigerian, my mum, she was born here, but, um, you know, I'm a Nigerian they spoke to me in Nigerian, eat, eat Nigerian food. Oh, um, what's the best dish? I'm jalof, you know, jalof <laughs> rice all day. Niger jalof, Ghana jalof, all them other jalofs can clear it. <laughs> we don't know nothing about that. Um, you know what I'm saying? But um definitely in touch with my Nigerian roots. Um I love being African. Um, you know, I love the fact that you know I know where I come from. Mm. Um, that's a, a you know a special thing that a lot of people in the world can't say, which is dope. And then um, you know I'm like, I'm definitely excited now, like being older um, and just knowing more about uh, you know Nigeria and everything. Um, I want to just be able to do a lot more over there and actually go and visit more. So I need to get back to Nigeria soon um to go and see my family over there and just start trying to do some little little
0: outreach stuff out there as well i'm sure you will and you were born in hackney grew up in manor house you moved to the states when you were seven was there any stubbornness from your side to keep playing soccer um, and then when did you eventually get introduced to american football
1: yeah i mean i was stubborn all the way until my my senior year, year of high school um, i
0: played uh,
1: soccer all the way until then i was kind of still chasing that dream. I was chasing the um, the football dream as well, and it kind of came to a, a, a head where both my coaches kind of wanted um, 100% out of me, whereas they were, I was splitting time between both. And so, um, you know, I kind of sat down with my dad at the time and um, just discussed my options. And, mm. you know, I, I mean, I just I stuck with American football and um, I think it was the, r- the right decision.
0: Your dad, you mentioned him was a, fi- a FIFA agent, licensed as well. Who do you think he would have wanted you to play for if you'd have continued with soccer?
1: Oh, I mean, I would have definitely <laughs> tried to be an Arsenal kid, but I mean, that's tough. You know, you got to start young with them. But
0: What about your dad? Was he an Arsenal fan too? Oh, I mean, the whole, f- yeah. yeah?
1: Well, I was born an Arsenal boy because he gave me an Arsenal shirt right away. You mm. know what I'm saying? There was no other <laughs> loyalties in the house. Um, yeah, I mean, there was no other team but Arsenal, yeah.
0: There's a great picture of you when you played for the Plano Colts back in the day when you were a kid and you're walking off the field, you've got a helmet in one hand, you've got a cooler in the other. What was it like at that age coming over from England to, to be part of an American football team? Did it feel a bit strange? or? It, at that time, and
1: I've seen the picture too, at that time it was just fun, yeah. you know. Um, I didn't really know the game, you know what I'm saying, but I was good at it because I was just a fast kid who could run around, you know what I'm saying, and I was always active as a kid, so, Mm -hmm. you know, at that time it was just fun, I was just having, like, I I was an active child, I had a lot of friends in in the States, like, that was the thing to do, is play, go and play football, you know what I'm saying, American football, and so, like, I wouldn't want to go home and just be by myself, so I would, like, tag along with my friends to their practices and stuff, and that's really how I, I got introduced to the game, it was just tagging along with them and then um just be becoming naturally good at it. But yeah, that, that was just the the time where you just have you just having fun, you know, you don't know you just enjoying enjoying being around your friends and all that.
0: Should they still have tackle football at that age, do you think? How old were you then in that picture? Was it seven, eight? Yeah, I was probably I was probably around like um I was probably like eleven.
1: 11 or 12, 11 when I started playing. Looking back, is that
0: too young for ta- tackle football?
1: Uh, no, I, I enjoyed it. You yeah. know, I won't lie, I had, a, <laughs> I had a blast when I was there. And, um, I mean, I will say, like obviously, you want the coaches there for that. Knowing what I know now as an athlete and mm. as an NFL player, you would definitely hope that the coaches are teaching them the right techniques young because you don't want to, start them on the wrong path um, as a young kid. Um, so, but I don't think there's an issue. I mean, obviously if they are teaching the right stuff. Excuse me.
0: I'll talk about your friendship with Malcolm Hill, who you met at a very young age in elementary school. And there's a great story. People should go and read it. Your junior year of high school, you both score 20 touchdowns. He gets selected for the first team district. And I can see your face. You get selected for the second team. And you, he said that he's never seen you so mad. And you told him at that point, you'll never let that happen again. And then he also admitted, he's never seen a man work so hard after that. Could you just tell us a bit about that time with Malcolm?
1: Yeah, I mean, Mal- Malcolm, that's my best friend. Um, it's like my brother. And at the time in in um, high school, um, he was like the guy, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And like, as your as your best friend and that's the guy, you know? Um, he was, in my, I always tell people this, like he's like my hero mm. in, Like growing up, cause he was so good and the coaches would come and pick him. Like when we were young, they would pick him to come and play with the older people because he was that good. So he was like someone I was striving to be like as a football player. Cause I didn't really know too much about like football from like the NFL aspect. So when I saw him, he was like my NFL hero. So yeah, the year we, we played <laughs> in that, that season, I had did a good season and I thought I did well and had good stats and everything. He had a great year too. And then we do our like end of season banquet awards and everything for the whole uh, division or league or whatever. And uh, like he said, you know, he gets <laughs> first team and I get second. And man, I was so ang- I was so angry because I felt like you know I got snubbed in in this aspect. And it wasn't anger towards you know the fact that he got it. Mm-hmm. It was anger towards the fact that okay, I've been I'm motivated now to show. Everyone, like, I deserve to be just as, as recognized as as every or as the other running backs that were in the first division, uh, yeah. first team. So that offseason, um, that was basically the offseason, too, that I gave up playing uh, soccer and playing football. And um, I just stuck with, uh, you know, American football. I got uh, bigger in the weight room. Um, I, like, hit a growth spurt. And then that season I bowled, and I ended up winning – the division MVP, so the most valuable player for the season that next year, and then I like got like a bunch of accolades from that, and uh, like kind of basically what Malcolm said, like that that one moment basically motivated my whole football. Like that was like a, a pinpoint moment where it was like, okay, like I'm I'm not gonna take this no more, and I want to be great, and I want to be mm. just like him, as recognized as such. And yeah, yeah, I was, I was mad, like, <laughs> I won't lie, like, I was, it was, a mo- I was motivating, like, for sure, like, I'll, I'll never forget that because it definitely, like, that was when I could say I began to build a chip on my shoulder of, like, always wanting to be the best and, like, strive for people to recognize the talent that I, that I have. So that, that's, like, the first initial moment
0: I can remember, for sure second team can be a good thing then. Uh, That underdog mentality that you have though, what are those injustices that you have suffered that pull you along?
1: I mean, I would say obviously, you know, um, the draft was a big one for me, which was tough. uh, And it was kind of something that was out of my control, um, you know, and that kind of, you know, built a chip on my shoulder, a huge chip. Mm. Seeing a bunch of guys go before you, um, you know, that it just motivated the hell out of me. That, um, you know, being injured my, my first uh, rookie year and seeing all these other guys, the guys that were playing, and I had to just wait and sit on the sideline until I could actually get out there. That motivated me. Um, you know, when I get the storylines after I've gotten traded and hearing all the bad, um, you know, storylines that came out of, of, you know, Miami and everything, that was motivating and then just the storylines of of hearing people tell me that I would never make it, you know, um, I'll never play in the league. You know, you got some reporters out there that say that I'm an injury waiting to happen and all that and here I am going into my fourth season. Those are the same guys that said I wouldn't play two snaps and it's like the story has to always change. Like before it's like, oh, he'll never play two snaps. Okay, now I never play three games. Okay, now I never play a season. Oh, now you never play two years, and it just you just got to keep making them uh, go back on their words. You know what I'm saying? And obviously they don't look at it, but they you know they foolish. If if you really look at the timeline of the things they say, they go back on their words so many times, and and I I enjoy making them look stupid. You know <laughs>
0: what I'm saying? So don't the Eagles running back room have those headlines? Above your number, right? So you you see that every day.
1: Yep, it's a motivating factor in our room. Um, coach Deuce, uh, our so running back coach, um, you know he takes pride on, on building that chip and having guys that that have something to prove. And when we walk into our uh, meeting room every day, you I mean we see it on the walls. It's all the bad stuff that people have said about us, mm. and the numbers there. It's basically got like bad stuff all over the wall and most of this stuff is people not even quoting them their names on it you know it's anonymous sources and it appears, that's the one thing you like, like these guys ain't even brave enough to put the names behind the statements you know what i'm saying but it's that is what they think of us you know what i'm saying as our running back group that's what they've said so that's always like a great motivating factor to just look at that and just be like yeah they said that about me before and look at me now as a super bowl champion mm-hmm. as a great teammate um, and I on, only have done three years into the NFL. Um, you know, I've got accolades and everything, so um, it's like you're just basically smashing that mold and, and continuing to strive to, to, to prove all that stuff to be wrong.
0: It's like sources of a source of a source right, kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important that while you're here, you talk about Colin Kaepernick a bit. Have you had any contact with him over the last year? I haven't, um, have not had any
1: contact with Colin Kaepernick. Um, you know, but obviously, when I was on the Dolphins, mm-hmm. uh, there were a few guys that really were strongly in that movement, um, and we would just always tried to be great teammates for those guys. And then getting on the Eagles, it was even more interesting because we uh, had like an environment, and then we were in a locker room where um, basically our coaches allowed um, them to speak on uh, speak their truth and. Um, you know, we had uh, you know Malcolm Jenkins. He mm. he was a guy that was uh, a huge advocate for what was going on and, and the injustices. And Chris Long and Torrey Smith. Um, we had like veteran leaders that were out there, um, you know, being a lead example for just wanting equality and, and and better solutions for everyone. And and to see those guys be great players and be great men off the off the field as well. It was just inspiring for me to. Be it, be their teammates and see you know the kind of things that they were trying to do and and the change that they were trying to to put into the world.
0: How do you expect it to evolve? Last question on this. How do you expect it to go next season?
1: I mean, I'm it's tough. Uh, I think for sure the the message has been sent. You know, obviously from you know what was done this past year. It'll be interesting to see you know how. Um, the movement continues and uh, who those forces will be in the NFL just because there's obviously been some change around, you know, that movement and everything. So um, I think it'll be interesting. I definitely think that the NFL has been put on notice, though, that the mm-hmm. players um, are willing to speak their mind and speak their truths and use their platforms to, um, to put out, you know, what they f- how we feel and, and what our agendas are, basically.
0: I do find it fascinating, after the Super Bowl you were on the network set with LeGarrette Blunt, and you had your mothers there, yeah. Mama Train you called it. <laughs> I love <train>. that. <laughs> it's fascinating though, you're at the same position and you're balancing friendship and competition. How does that work?
1: Yeah, I mean it's, it was crazy coming in obviously, um, you know with LeGarrette, he was somebody that I had been playing against for the, my first few years in the NFL because he was on the Patriots. And we would see each other in the division, and he would. We had a, like a mutual respect for each other, obviously. And um, you know, once I found out he was going to be my teammate, it was just, it was interesting because we finally got together and met, and we clicked right away. He was like the first person like I really hung out with on the Eagles, and we gelled right away. And um, one thing about LG, he's one of the most genuine people in the world. Um, you know, he genuinely cares about people. Um, He wears his heart on his sleeve and he's he's a real person. um, And I respected that so much. And he's a winner, you know what I'm saying? And um, I just, I enjoyed every moment playing with him. He helped me become a better teammate. Um, I think I helped him become a better teammate. And it's tough, you know. Everyone wants to be the guy. um, And, you know, obviously our situation, it wasn't like they weren't, you know, producing in that room. It was just, I I was brought in. And um, for us to all have, Uh, just found a way to all click, I think as a credit to all of the guys in the running back room. Um, Deuce, you know, just keeping everything uh, smooth in there. And then, um, you know, just all of us as well, just knowing what the bigger picture was, which was wanting to win that Super Bowl. And um, at the end of the day, that's all that mattered. And and for us to have been on that set with our moms, um, (laughs) you know, talking about the game, that beats everything. Any argument over who's playing and who's scoring, that all of that is irrelevant, you know what I'm saying? We were up there with our mothers sh- talking to the world about how we just won a Super Bowl, um, and that's pretty special. So yeah, that and was your cool. mom, it
0: wasn't just her son, it was her Eagles right, as well. Right, right, right. We'll finish with some quick fire. You can. Answers as fast as you want. So who gave you the UK flag after the Super Bowl?
1: UK fans. I don't know how they got it out <laughs> there. they was they was proud and I was ready to fly it. It's a security issue,
0: clearly. Yeah. How many Brits have now won the Super Bowl, do you know? They told me it was five. am the it fifth. I'm the fifth. That's good. Indeed. Have you scaled a lamppost in Philly since the win?
1: Have not scaled any <laughs> lampposts in Philly. Hopefully the Crisco has dried up <laughs> and then I'm a, I'm gonna go get on that when when I get back.
0: How did the nickname J-Train originate? The
1: J-Train originated at Boise State. Um, I was a beast, I needed something to <laughs> be on the field. My alter ego, run run fast, run through, can't be stopped. That's a train, the J-Train, and, and let's get the train going with, <laughs> with the celebration after
0: that. If you were going to invest in a property, would you do it in Manor House or Miami? Ooh, I do my
1: Manor House. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a for sure. I'm a, actually. I'm invested in Manor House, though. I'm. A, I'm yeah. A, I'm invested in Manor House. I need to be back in the
0: ends. You're a loyalist. You feel me? I'm back in the ends, <laughs> man. What you mean? Good man. I think I'd take Miami personally. Nah, no. I've been in
1: Miami too long, anyway. I've, I've
0: lived in Cockfosters. Ah, uh, you good? Kn- yeah, yeah. You you're ready
1: to go? I'm ready to come back. Yeah, I've been in Miami too long.
0: Okay. Last two. Favorite thing that America has that the UK doesn't. Ranch. Ranch dressing. <laughs> okay. Thank you ranch dressing. And can you sing any portion of Fly Good Fly for us? Uh, Do you know the word? E-A-G-L-E-S, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Let's go. Thanks, Joe.
1: No worries, bro. UK needs to catch yeah, up yeah, yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm going to bring whole box of the ranch out here next time. <laughs> <laughs> I eat wings with no
0: Thank you to Jay Jai at the Philadelphia Eagles for joining me and thank you for listening. And please, if you have a couple of minutes, head to the Apple Podcast app and iTunes. Search for the U.S. Sports Podcast with Max Whittle where you can subscribe, rate, and review the show. I appreciate your continued support as I keep striving for guests like a giant. Until next time, thanks for listening. It's time I hailed a yellow cab.